Welcome to The Porch. I'm Lindsay Bacardo, keynote speaker and virtual presenter for organizations who want to build strong, multi-generational teams. I believe that the modern day leader has a moral obligation to grow personally and lead others from a grounded and healthy and healed place. You're going to hear me bring on psychologists, neuroscience experts, storytellers, emotional intelligence researchers, really anything that helps a leader grow personally and ultimately impact the culture of their organization. This is where I bring my favorite thought leaders on these topics to teach and mentor us through our own growth. I'm so glad you're here and welcome to The Porch. We have the one and only Chris Taylor. We were joking before we started because we were saying all roads, particularly in Indianapolis, lead back to Chris Taylor because she is a coach. She is a awesome retreat facilitator and leader. She's a forward thinker. I've seen her in all different environments and her passion and her clarity of thought always come through for the last 18, maybe 19 years now, her firm Evergreen Leadership has provided coaching and leadership development programs. She's an author. She's the author of Owning It, Take Control of Your Life, Work, and Career, and The Leader's Guide to Turbulent Times. This would be a good time to pick up that book. <laughs> she speaks, she writes, she coaches leaders. She's been in the business a long time, and she always seems to be a little ahead of the curve of what's happening. So I thought, what an, imp an important person to bring onto the porch to talk about the different trends that are happening in the workplace. There's kind of this hum, this, this um, almost negative hum about all the changes. And I thought, why don't we just, everybody take a deep breath. We're going to bring Chris on and talk about what's really happening right now. Chris, I am so glad to get to spend this time with you. Thank you for being here. I am so excited. I, Lindsay, anytime you and I get together, there's just sparks that fly because you have such great energy. You've got such great thoughts. You're doing such good work. And so I am honored to be here Thank you. and excited Thank about you. the conversation. It's an important one. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And I think sometimes when we're in our own world, you know, it takes a lot of energy, doesn't it? To kind of zoom out, look at the horizon, even look beyond our own industry and pay attention to some of the shifts that are happening now, you do this all the time. So we're really saving our listeners time and energy to get the consolidated. Chris, whenever Chris and I do a training, we did this training once for a very large group and she brought in the stack of books she read to talk about, I think it was change management or something like that at the time. And collaboration. Like, collaboration. That's what yeah. it was. She already, she knew, she already knew. Yeah. And you have this ability to kind of disseminate what actually matters right now. So I'm curious, as you meet with leaders, as you're doing all this research, what do you see that's weighing heavily on leaders within organizations today? What are you seeing? What patterns are you seeing? Yeah, and it goes across industries, as you said. It goes across organizations. Um, and it's been there for a while. But I do think the pandemic was like accelerant. It was like, you know, doing that smush of lighter fluid on your bonfire, right? Oh, um, yeah. Lots of things. But if I had to boil it down to three that weigh heavily on them is um, the feeling like everything is going too fast. The pace is fast. I can't keep up. I have a thousand emails in my inbox. It's just mm -hmm. going fast. I can't keep up. So that's one. The second, I think if you peel it back, it it is this notion of I'm not enough. 
And I think this happens a lot with the beaters as you move from one position to another, because all of a sudden your technical expertise becomes less important and your ability to do all those things that you articulated so beautifully. How do you connect with people, engage them, get people moving in a common direction are important. But now in today's environment, uh, there's this idea that it's hard to be the expert in anything. So, you know, because it's changed, right? The half-life of knowledge is about five years and it's two and a half years in tech. And so not only am I feeling less grounded in my discipline, now I'm kind of over my head. So it's kind of like, I'm not enough. I can't catch, you know, keep up. And then the other is um, that um, there's just lots of unrealistic expectations. And some of those are organizational. Some of those are from their direct leaders. And some of them, a lot of them we put on ourselves. So, you know, I don't have enough time. I can't keep up. And I've got this much to do. And I'm just not making it. So a lot of stress and pressure. That, that is so well said when I think about, as you're sharing this, the conversations that I'm having, they really do come down to those three buckets. Everything's moving too fast. I'm overwhelmed or mm-hmm. I'm not enough. I can't, I, I'm not really sure. I feel like I'm losing my footing in my own field. And then this unrealistic expectations of what we can produce, how fast we can produce it. I'm curious when we look at these three and maybe we can break it down, what would be a healthy response to somebody who's saying everything is moving too fast, what could a leader say or think to help them through that? Well, it's interesting because the antidote to too fast is to slow down, right? It's, <laughs> I think it's know, to run faster. I think I think well, it's that's to what get we think, right? Time. Like like run faster. <laughs> but you know, you think about it, if you're on the treadmill and you're starting at walk and then you go faster and then you go to a jog and then you go to a run and you're starting to feel overextended and like you can't keep up you press the arrow down button you're like back it up just a little bit instead mm-hmm. of saying oh let's go faster and faster like that's lunacy but we keep doing it right because we somehow we do. run faster we will get further instead of instead what happens is we get exhausted we can't make sense of things we make bad decisions now, the interesting thing, and I'm not saying to stop, I'm not saying get off the treadmill. I'm just saying slow down a minute and catch your breath. And sometimes that slowing down um, means five or 10 minutes of just meditation and quiet, right? Sometimes it means closing your PC at the end of the day and not picking it up again until the morning. Um, somebody just today mentioned um, HBR article that talked about the in the brain images, neuro um, scientists have looked at the brain images of people on Zoom all day. And if you're on Zoom all day, your brain starts to do wacky things. And then they did an experiment where in between Zoom meetings, people still had the same amount. They just did 10 minutes of meditation and your brain self-corrects. So that idea of slowing down for just a bit, it catch your breath, right? Make sense of things instead of running faster, right? And that can yes. be- through meditation, that can be taking a walk, that can be some little rituals that you build into your life just to give you a breath. So, you know, taking a breath, slow down just a little bit, and all of a sudden you've got better perspective. That is so interesting that you say that, Chris, because in one sense it seems obvious, but when you are in the state of kind of frantic, get it done, pound it out, you sometimes you don't even know 
yeah. that you are in this state and we need to build in these break times just to really be able to check in with ourselves. I got an email today and immediately when you get that wash of overwhelm, yeah. oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't even figure this out. And I thought, you know what? I don't need to figure it out right this second. I'm going to okay. turn this treadmill down. I went downstairs. I had a hard boiled egg. <laughs> I hung out with my dogs for a few minutes. And as I'm eating that egg and feeding my dog the yolk, because that's her favorite part, the answer came to me. That's right. And this idea. It didn't take 10 hours. It didn't take two days. It took 10 minutes. Changing states out of that kind of revved up productivity monster state and eating a hard boiled egg. That's my tip. This is sponsored by Eglin's Best. Thank That's you right. for coming to the board. <laughs> no, but eggs. Eat more eggs. Eat more eggs. That's really the, that's so interesting that you say that though, because I noticed this in your retreats. I've noticed this in your trainings. It's not gobs and gobs of content that you have to get down and digest. It's actually slowing down and deeply thinking about one thing. It's, it's about having space and you're so good at kind of helping people, helping me get out of that mode and into calm, creative space. I mean, I, I would love to see how that pans out when you work instead of organizations, when they are trying to do more and you just say, why don't we turn this, why don't we turn this dial back a little bit and just take five, 10 minutes. Yeah, that's all it takes. Um, I know when I facilitate a lot, we'll take five minutes just in the beginning to share good news. Yeah. I, I mean, people are coming in anyway. You're not going to really get started on time anyway. Share good news. And all of a sudden, people are taking a breath. They can arrive. Um, and then there's some endorphins, right? Because people are sharing um, a little bit of something. So, um yeah, it doesn't take a lot, you know, a little ritual at the beginning of the, one of the things I do is I light a candle in the morning and um, say kind of a, a mantra that helps me get centered. Like, how do you step out of the frantic pace for just a few minutes, recenter, reground, you'll make better decisions, your mental health will be better. It's all good. And when you think about when, as leaders, when we're in that frantic space, um, we don't serve other people very well. You'll, you'll start right. to hear things like, I hate to bother you because you're really busy, or people will feel like um, they kind of circle around you and kind of like, <laughs> like stay out of her way. She's on a tear today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you make yep. it your social, you, your emotional health, health deteriorates when you're on fast all the time. When you only have one speed, it's fast, fast forward. Um, your emotional health, you know, you tend to get afraid. Uh, your social relationships tend to rip and tear. Uh, your cognitive thinking declines. And so, you know, that antidote is really, you know, do that thing that's so counterintuitive, which is slow down just a bit. Just slow down. Man, that is so true. And it's a good, it's like we need this reminder. I need this reminder almost every day because yeah. I get the Superman complex of like, no, I think I can actually push through. And then nothing of value comes from that actual push. Yeah. And that's the value of ritual. I think if you build some of those places in your day to day for me, yes, 10 minutes of meditation in the morning, it's um, journaling at nighttime, it's lighting the candle, it's um, noticing when I've spent two hours in front of the PC and just taking a quick walk. Um, 
Yeah. So you, know, you can start to build those rituals in. And the wonderful thing about rituals is they reset you. Um, you don't have to think about them. And they, they're they just kind of like magic, right? Yes. Yeah. That's really good. I love that. How about this piece? What about this second one that you shared when, when a leader just feels like, oh, I'm not enough. This is, I can't keep up in my own industry right now. What's a healthy response to that? How do you coach folks through that when they're feeling that way? Yeah, that one is harder. Um, that one, because that's an internal belief that you're caring about yourself and your capabilities. And, you know, there's some, you know, trusting that you're enough, um, stopping, stop comparing yourself to other people. Well, and, you know, all these from coaching, right? We coach yeah. out of these mindsets. Sometimes even just asking how much of that is really true. Like, what's the story yes. I'm telling myself? And what's true about that story and what's not? And are there some other stories I could tell about that? Yeah. Right? Like, I don't yeah. know everything, but I know enough. Or I know more than everybody else on my team. <laughs> or I know the right things. Um, so that one is that one's harder. And it's helpful, I think when you're in those places to have somebody, a sounding board, whether that's a coach, a mentor, a peer, a friend, who can help you really poke some holes into that story. And yes. this, this is where I hear that story the most are some of the most high performing people on God's green earth, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I think that's part of what happens because I typically work with millennials and Gen Zs on one end of the spectrum and then boomers and Gen Xers trying to bring them together yeah. The one thing I've noticed, especially in your first, I would say four to five years after you, if you graduate college, if you go to college, is it takes a while to get out of the grade point mindset oh, yeah. of, oh, how do I know if I'm actually doing good enough? You know, how do I really, I used to just get straight A's and no, I would actually take on like, oh, I'm a good person. I'm doing enough. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. Great. I got straight A's like that. I don't have to, you know, everything else is icing on the cake. And then when you get into the work life, especially if you're a chronic high achiever, it's hard to know when is enough enough because we go online, we see somebody our age getting farther than we've gotten. And it's hard to really even measure. Like you said, when somebody says, I don't know, I'm not enough. I'm like, this is an amoeba of greatness you're going after. It has no edges. It has no clarity. Right. You're going to drive yourself, you know, into burnout because well, we're not even we're measuring. Maybe we should bring grades back, Chris. Maybe that's what we need to bring oh. our poor grades back. Or maybe we grade ourselves. You know, we there ask it is. what's really important and yeah. um, ask ourselves, how what would I know that I'm enough? How would I know? Um, the other thing is shattering this illusion. And I, I think it's really the disservice that social media does for us and for especially um, adolescents, I'll say adolescents who maybe don't have the maturity, to, is all of that is the image that people choose to present to the world rather than their real messy, everybody's life is messy, right? Everybody's That's right. has ups That's and downs. Right. Everybody has good days and bad days, good hair days, bad hair days. You know, we all have this mix, but people don't put on social media typically anything but their bright, shiny best. But mm -hmm. that's brutal, right? It's not real. 
Um, but right. if you start to believe everybody else is going to blame, doing this, doing that, achieving, getting promoted, bought the new car, whatever, whatever. If, again, that's that fact versus reality test. Is that truly true? Yes. What you, get? you know, when I started it? consulting, um, it was easy to compare myself to other fill in the blank authors, coaches, mm. you know, professional consultants. And, and there was a coach that I had that brought me down to earth and said, that person is 10 years ahead of you. Yes. Looks like they're doing it all on their own. They have this cast of people behind them. Um, and there's also this bit of serendipity about sometimes people are just in the right time at the right place. So again, testing the story other people are telling against the story you're telling. And what do you know, what don't, what's fact, what's fiction? And more importantly, I think is what does success look like for you? Is it always getting an A on the quiz or is it doing the work that really matters? Is it learning and stretching yourself, which means you're not always going to be perfect. In fact, you're probably going to be pretty sloppy at the beginning. Um, yeah. I think that is so important because even as you were sharing this, I was thinking, you know, there's this, and you know, this in the coaching world, you're really part of the pattern is a lot of people don't believe that they're enough. And there's a part of you that wants to say you being a human on this earth is enough. The fact that you exist is enough. That okay. is true. The other piece is that high achievers are actually saying, am I even on a path that's going to get me somewhere? Because I don't know where I'm going, how I'm going to get there. And that's actually a different, that's not about your worth as a human on earth. That's about, do I have a plan that's going to get me where I want to go? And I think that's interesting to think about what matters most to you? What would go on your report card? I find when I'm unhappy and feeling kind of curmudgeony and burnt out, there's three things that I have neglected that now are on my report card. Reading, resting, yeah. and relationships. My friendships tend to feel like extra. Like, oh, that'd be nice, but... If yeah. I can't hang out and go to the bonfire, oh, well, I'll just, you know, I'll stay home. I can get some work done. No, 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 no. That's on my report card now. Yeah. I, I have to counterbalance my drive to have a whole life. And then I don't have to live on the I am not enough carousel. Yeah, I love that. And, and I love that mix of reading, which stretches you, but is more internal, the physical, yes. right? And then the outward relationship piece. And, and, you know, there's that idea of, um, you know, when any one of those gets out of whack, the rest of your, it's kind of like the lumpy tire, right? Yeah. Like every turn of the wheel just isn't quite moving smoothly because I didn't get enough rest. I, that's right. Yeah. You know, so you kind of hobble along on this tire that's turned into a triangle, you know? Yeah. There's something in this that you're bringing to the forefront, Chris, and it's almost like maybe the antidote to I'm not enough is just to get clarity on what matters to you. It's mm -hmm. not to say, I'm going to tell myself every day I am enough. It's like, yeah. okay, that you can, but what you're really deeply longing for is probably some clarity of what you're trying to aim for and what you're going for, especially if you're a high achiever. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's far, well... I'll share this brief story of um, 
it was in 2004 that I started my business and I literally just flung myself into the world. I didn't have a plan. Um, the company I was working with was going through some changes and I wasn't bought into the direction and they were offering severances and I raised my hand and literally went out wide-eyed like I have no idea um and it was October of that year and this is in 2004 and in between June when I started in October people were all excited about you starting your own business and blah 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 but the questions they asked me just never resonated it's like how much money do you want to make and how big do you want to grow it and you know they were all questions that we typically ask of businesses, size, growth, scale, et cetera. And all of that rung really hollow with me. Um, and I sat down one afternoon, it was probably an afternoon that looks like today, and wrote down what success looked like to me. And it was about um, living a life where I wasn't overwhelmed and overextended, doing work that enriched other people's lives, uh, being able to constantly learn and grow. I mean, it was all more uh, things that are really important to me, but really hard to measure. And there was nothing in there about bottom line. There was nothing in there about profit. I think there's a line in there about, I want to make enough money so that there's food on the table in my company. You know, I can travel and have a few luxuries, but, you know, it's it's not about the number of zeros in my P&L, right? That's right. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's been an interesting um, document for me because even now it's going on, you know, be 20 years old. I, I reference that frequently. And it's been a really good guidepost for me. And I can look at that and, and figure out when I'm not being successful, right? When I'm in states of overwhelm, when I am yeah. collecting the other parts of my life that I think are important. That's really, it's almost like you made your own true north. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that. And maybe that's one of the only things that doesn't let you get to control your true north and it may not change a lot over the things that are most important to you now may still be very important to you in 20 years. And it's so easy, whether you own your own business or you're a leader in an organization to keep the the ladder crawl, what's next, what's next, what's next in front of us. And it will never be enough. You know, one of my friends, Jess Ekstrom said, listen, one day you're going to die and you're still going to have stuff on your to-do list. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. No, yeah. You know, yeah, hopefully, but, but hopefully at that period in my life, there's still things I'm looking forward to, things I want to do. And the question is, what's on your list, your to-do list, and what's on your not-to-do list? I've been thinking a lot lately about what's on your not-to-do list. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yep. hopefully there's some really good things not on your to-do list because you feel obligated or, um, you know, that out of that sense of duty or just it's going to get you somewhere yes. because they're the things you want to do. They're the things you want to have in your life. Yeah. And we can't do it all at once. You know, there's, there's always more to be had. There's always, and you can narrow in on the things that actually matter to you. Not what you think we should be doing or what it should look like. Owning your own business is a great example. Everybody has in their mind, well, you should make at least this much. Well, that's not a top value for me. That's the top value for you. Okay. So yeah. it is very interesting to start to get out of the I am not enough cycle by just deciding what matters to you and running after that. What an interesting antidote. It's not what anecdote or antidote. It's not what you'd expect, you know? Right, right. How about this third one that we see? I definitely see this. This is coming through with workforce retention a lot is unrealistic yeah. expectations. 
um, companies, organizations putting too much pressure on their employees to do 120% of what could really get done. What's a healthy response to that? Unrealistic expectations. Well, the first one, and I I guess a theme is emerging. I hadn't imagined this, but, you know, the theme is um, test what's true and what's not. Mm. So those conversations that you have with your direct leader, and if we all would hope in organizations, and I was that way, and I see other people is they 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 clamor, they they really want a leader that says, "Do this, this is my expectation," and making it really clear. Uh, but unfortunately, ninety nine percent of the time, um, your direct leader is fuzzy. They're kind of frazzled too. Um, they're not quite sure, et cetera. So you know, be brave enough to have that conversation with them and ask about their expectations. What would good look like for them um, in your performance? How will you know? Um, and oftentimes as I coach leaders, especially at the VP level, when they have those conversations, they come back a little surprised. Like they had assumed their direct leader had all these expectations. Yes. They, they weren't actually true. So do some testing. Um, if you find that you're really overextended setting some boundaries, um, and I can guarantee you if you're a, a good performer and you say to your boss, hey, look, um, we've had this conversation about expectations. Um, it's important for me to be home every night by 530 because that's my family time. I'm going to work. Whatever it is, um, if you're a good performer, they're going to find typically some way to honor that or to make that work. Um, one coaching exercise we do a lot is to have people print out their calendar um, and highlight it with the things that are really important, not so important or whatever, and then sit down and share it with their boss. Like, this is what my calendar looks like. Together, let's figure out what meetings I could take off. I've already yes. done the analysis. I've got some recommendations. I want your buy-in. Yes. And at, the, at the same time, if you're in, and I've seen organizations like this that just... Um, aren't going to budge. Their expectations are up here. Like you'd have to be superwoman to meet them. And if you've had those conversations, you've set some boundaries, you've really tested what is true or not. And if you feel that they're untenable, I, I think it's time for a career, a career or a job change. Yes. I mean, people are going to walk with their feet. That's one of the things as employers that they get to need to get reacclimated to. It's not as if employees are going to come to them and, and stay for 30, 40 years. In fact, this was an interesting stat as I was doing a little bit of research for this conversation. Right now, most new employees after about two months are already starting to think about what their next move is. And that's not in the organization. Right? Yep. Leave it. So, you know, don't get stuck. And if you've done what you can, you know, uh, had those conversations, figured it out. And if you still feel it's untenable, then it probably time you're not going to change the organization if that's really the true blue culture is well and it was one reason i left my former employer and i've yep. been here for a long time they gave me great opportunities it was wonderful but when the new ceo who i didn't have much respect for um said he expected employees to to break through walls for him and to work really hard i mean it was all he was communicating very clearly what he expected of people yes I'm like, I'm out of here. I don't have a plan, but I'm out of here. Yep. Yeah. Well, isn't that interesting too? I remember when I first started coaching a decade ago, I was coaching young employees in their twenties 
And almost all of them reached out to me privately because they said, I'm leaving this job. And I don't know what to do next. I need clarity. I need next steps. But as we did coaching together, more than half of them ended up staying where they were because they realized they weren't having clarifying conversations with their leaders. So it was really about, oops, I haven't actually done any work here to get clarity. Once they spoke up there, they said, oh, of course, I didn't even, I didn't know it was important. Yep. You can go to that. You can go to that training or yeah, you have development dollars here. You can use them. And this idea, I think you said it. How exactly did you say it? It's clear on, get clear on what's real and what's not. Right. Because you don't want to leave based on assumptions. But like you said, if you know that you know that you know that an organization operates anti your preference or your way of working, then that makes sense to go. But a lot of times we don't really know. We're assuming okay. or we had a difficult conversation where our feelings are hurt and we just want to get out. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's That's easy right. to make the other person, the organization, your boss, um, the victim or the, the perpetrator of your unhappiness. Yes. Right? Instead of stepping up and saying, I'm responsible for my career, my progression, um, how I'm there feeling work. And so don't don't give that agency away. Um, yeah. And allow them the opportunity to um, explain what they're looking for from you, what success looks like. Um, talk to them about how they could support you. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's really good. Now, I know we, we don't have a ton of time left. And I really, you've put so much thought into these three trends that are happening around us. <laughs> But and I think this is so. Can you walk through these three trends? Because as you said them, I thought that's it. This and this wheel keeps spinning. What are these three trends that we're seeing that we need to be paying attention to as leaders that are happening for everybody in the workforce? Well, this is kind of a hard boiled egg story because uh, we talked about that, and I started to do the Chris Taylor thing, which is start to read the books and the journals and the articles and do all that kind of stuff and go through HBR. And and I thought there's going to be three that just, and they didn't, and they didn't. And finally it struck me that they're not three discrete things, but they're three interconnected pieces. Um, And they're, I hate to use the word meta since Facebook kind of appropriated that, but, but they're meta trends that overlap one another and um, at the same time, kind of like a hurricane, like as those winds look around, they they keep making it faster. So simplified it into, uh, there are just dramatic and unprecedented changes in the work that we're doing and that we're gonna do in the future. So the actual tangible output that we do and how we do our work. The workplace, what does that look like? And I'll go back to all these and then the workforce. So let's look at each one of those, um, the work we're doing. Right now, the big question, the big hairy question is what does AI mean? Yeah. Don't know. No, it's going to be big. No, don't know how it's going to disrupt if it's going to be, but it will disrupt. Um, but even if we take AI off the table, um, just the fact that technology in itself has turned almost any job into a tech job. You know, if yep. you're, refrigerator repair person and you still need to use technology right if 
That's right. Yes. Yeah. If you're a car person, te- Tesla's are computers on wheels. So technology is changing the work that we're doing. We're, we're more global. Um, we're all kinds of things are changing the work. I mean, people have heard that, you know, we don't, the, the hottest careers four years from now, we don't even know what they are. Yep. And so that acceleration of shifting work, shifting careers, when we move from industrial, from the agricultural era to industrial, that happened over 15, 20 years, right? Somebody got a tractor and then the neighbor got yes. the tractor, you know, and it took years and decades. Um, and then we went to the information age and I'm old enough to remember first getting email and only a couple people got email. But now that we're in this kind of supercharged next stage of stuff, things are happening really fast. So, so the work that we're doing for the most part is changing. Um, the workforce is changing. And Lindsay, this is your area of expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, t- you know, the demographics are changing. The age of people that are comprising the workforce are changing. The the um, racial and cultural background of people. So when you think about the flip of um, Caucasian white is not going to be the majority very much longer. So you have yep. all that workforce shift, different expectations. So the workforce looks very different. Um, and then the workplace looks different. It's more virtual. It's more hybrid. It's getting flatter. It's more fluid. Organizations come up quickly and disappear quickly. Yes. I forget what the number is, the percentage of companies that have stayed on the Fortune 500 list. Um, you stayed, once you landed there, you were there for decades. Now you're lucky to be there for five or six years. So you yes, have, work is changing. The workforce is changing. Um, the workplace is changing physically and um, virtually, and they all intersect in really interesting and um, accelerating ways. And it's going faster. So not only is all this changing, but it's going faster. Hard to predict exactly what that means, but in other ways, it's not so hard to predict or talk about what we should be doing, right? Um creating opportunities for ourselves and others to continually be in learning mode, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Not understanding that, um, not getting locked into a career identity, like I'm a stockbroker and I'm going to be a stockbroker forever. That's actually one of the jobs that AI is threatening very hard. Um, And so that idea of shifting your identity from I'm a, boom, got my degree, I'm finished, to I'm an intelligent person who who is interested in doing this with my life and with these talents and gifts and being able to let that manifest itself. Um, The onus then is on employers to help people come and use their talents and skills in the best way they can in service of the higher purpose of the organization to continually to retool, um, help people move from one career to the next career to uh, accommodate or, you know, encourage new skill acquisition to, to retool, um, to think about how a boss of mine asked me this question many years ago. And and I still think it's the question of, of how do we enable good people to do the work that needs to get done? Like, how do we make it easy? And, and good means, right. Um, capable, um, reliable, um, so, you know, how do we make it easy for people to do good work here? I, I think that's just a really compelling question. 
but it, it's going to mean things like not getting tied to the bureaucracy, not thinking that you're going to climb the ladder because the ladder probably looks more like a swimming pool, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's really, really interesting. And it will be fascinating to see where we are in three, four, five years. It will be. Three or four or five months. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. In January 2024. Who knows? Well, it's, it's really be interesting for everybody that watches or listens to this to take those three columns how we work, the work that we do in the world. Like I think of a bank, you know, nobody's coming in for to cash their paycheck anymore into cash, you know, but how we work has changed and to really be able to verbalize that with whatever industry you're in and whatever organization, then talk about how is your workforce changing? And then how is your workplace changing? Even just getting that on paper. I use, I do this exercise in a lot of my trainings. That's just old rules, new rules of work. Yeah. And I have everybody just take a, like a note card and split it in half old rules, new rules. And you start to see this was the way that we succeeded in work before. This is what success looks like now. Uh, Before we had a dress code now, you know, just please wear pants to work, you know, whatever it is. You start (laughs) to see camera. (laughs) Exactly. You start to see, you know, these shifts that are happening. And I hear you saying under the surface too, to it's important to adopt an agile mindset Yeah. to just expect we are going to be agile this season in human history, the successful folks and probably those that have a little bit more peace will be agile. Yes. And accept that. I mean, this brings us full circle, um, understanding that um, it's going to go faster so that we're going to have to bake in some slowness. Um, I can't possibly, yeah. I can't possibly know it all. So I've got to give myself grace. And that doesn't excuse you from not learning, not exploring, not expanding your skills. It's just that take off that heaviness of thinking you have to know it all. You have to be perfect at everything because it's going to be yep. messy and it's, it's not going to be. And then as with every one of those shifts, expectation shift, right? Employees expectations are shifting the expectations of your work and what good looks like. Um, working in a hybrid environment is different than coming into the office every day. So we've got all of these shifting expectations. Um, and so testing those or getting those on the table, because oftentimes when you, you're having the conversation in your head, but if you can frame it and get it out on the table, a lot of times it's not as complicated or awful or, or as horrible as you think it is. That's very where it true. is and you can deal with it, you know, and now you can see it. You can do something. See it. Yeah. Cause when it's in your head, you're swirling, right? Yes. And that's not healthy for you or anybody else. That's right. And it kind of, you know, our, the way we feel about something and the, the actual data of what's happening, get, they definitely get swirled up in my head. You know, here's the 10 steps to launch an online program. I'm like, I'm already overwhelmed. I can't even look yeah. at the 10 steps. That's the, that's the first thing is to get it out of your mind right. and be able to see it on paper. That's really smart. I love that. Well, Chris, you know, I could truly talk to you all day. We need to do a retreat soon. I'm putting this on the podcast so it's published. And <laughs> I need a whole agreement that we're doing. I'm just kidding. Uh, but you just offer so much it's it's very interesting to say this, but you have all this wisdom, but then you also offer so much space for everyone to process mm-hmm. and to just take a deep breath for a minute and yeah. find their, like, help me find my own wisdom again. Help me not to get swept away with the chaos 
of work right now. And I know that's why so many of us look to you, not just as a thought leader, but a true partner in how to make work better for everybody. So thank you for being here, for sharing so much with us. I can't wait to publish this podcast and get it out to the world. Well, it is always, as you know, I just love working with you. Um, You're doing such great work and your voice is one that needs to be heard in so many ways. Well, thank you. And thanks everybody who came and spent some time with us today on the porch. We love having you with us. It's one of the highlights for me. If you want more information from Chris, I would highly, highly recommend to follow her on LinkedIn. Check out her website, Evergreen Leadership. She's always creating content, helping us learn, grow, and develop. So make sure to follow her. All the info you need is in the chat and will be in the show notes. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on the porch. Chris, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure having you with me today. It was my pleasure. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you soon. 